you should have at least a few investors that could purchase these properties. Because if you go in without any help, then that's where problems start just because you can't close. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff and... First off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. Because today is Sunday, we have a special segment for you. And the segment is Skill Set Sunday. And the skill we're going to be talking about is how to wholesale apartments. Interesting, right? And we have a guest who wholesaled seven apartments last year. And he's going to talk us through how to do it. And he's also writing a book about it. How you doing, Luis Carrera? Hey, Joe. How's everything? Thank you for having me again. My pleasure. Nice to have you back on the show. And Luis said again because, well, he was on episode 1024, 1024, titled The 2008 Crash Turned Him Into a Real Estate Investor. And you can learn more about him and his background and his best ever advice by listening to episode 1024. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of how to wholesale apartments, but just a little bit more context about him so you can be caught up to speed if you didn't memorize what we talked about last time. He is a commercial wholesaler and real estate investor, his company's Innovative Property Group. He's based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he is writing a book on how to wholesale apartments. He did seven last year. So with that being said, well, how do we wholesale apartments? Well, Joe, once you know the nuts and bolts about it, it's not that hard just because you have to target different properties, basically mainly under 80 units. But could I give you a quick backstory in regards Please. to how I got to wholesaling apartments? Please. So, perfect. So basically, I used to obviously doing flips and wholesale in my market in New Jersey and now in North Carolina in the Raleigh market, I ran into different opportunities. And I always wanted to invest in apartment complexes, so much so that I did join a few groups and I actually did the training with Dave Lindahl. I'm not sure if you know Dave Lindahl, Joe? Yep. Yes. So basically, I was in his program studying, making offers, going back and forth with brokers and with private sellers. And his program is basically Let's just call it, there's a holy trinity. You have to hit certain markers in regards for it to be a home run deal. But the Dave Lindahl program, he makes you partner up with other investors. So great. I would love to partner up with other investors if it provides potential cash flow. But then working on his holy trinity, there was a lot of offers I made. I think I made about 60, 65 offers and I was laughed at all the time just because they were so low. Uh-huh. So they never had me in the in the running for each offer. So then I'm like, okay, 
let me change this up a bit. Let me start getting more competitive on my offers. So once I started doing that, I started getting more properties, at least with a, an accepted LOI, which is a letter of intent. So with that letter of intent and essentially the contract down the road, I would take these offers to my investors. But then I would tell them, hey, I want to jump in with you and we could split the deal. You give me 25 or 50 and you keep the rest. Well, from most of these deals, all these investors said, hey, Luis, this doesn't work for us together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, the margins are, are too tight. I could find this on my own without you. And I'm like, oh, great. So scratching my head, don't know how to find a solution. Just keep on pounding the pavement and continue to figure out a way around it. Just to pause there, so I'm making sure I'm tracking properly. You initially were making offers based on predetermined criteria that wasn't competitive with the market. So you're getting laughed at. That you switched your approach, became a little bit more aggressive. Then you start getting accepted LOIs, letter of intents. And then you went to other investors to partner with them. So they brought the money and experience, I imagine. And then they said, I don't think so. Margins are too small. We could have found this on our own. Exactly. Okay. And it wasn't only me. Every time I went to these multifamily events, it could be Dave Lindahl, it could be somebody else. Everybody was having very similar issues. And I'm like, how could I bridge that gap between what we're looking for and a home run? There has to be singles and doubles. So it didn't really quite occur to me until I found another deal, which I brought to an investor. It was only a 26 unit deal. And I'm like, all right, it's first year returns of 7%. And then it goes up to 12% year five. And I provided to the investor and the investor again said, it doesn't work for us, but it works for me. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, you see this deal? I want it because it's a small complex. I could buy a cash but I can't split any profits with you. If not, it doesn't make sense. How about this? You see that assignment fee that's written in there of 20 grand? I'll give you that assignment fee. You just give me the deal. And that's how I guess the light bulb went off. And I started saying to myself, wow. So I don't even have to jump on the deal. I have to just find good deals for investors to come in and I'll just assign them the deal to them. And they do most of the work when it comes to the due diligence bullseye. So that was just a groundbreaking for me. And then I started sharing this information and there's a lot of people that really wish they had because then they would have gone after more deals, more mm-hmm. singles and doubles. So that's why I'm writing this book. How do you decide what that assignment fee is? Well, typically it's a percentage of the overall sale price. It's kind of like a broker's fee, so to speak, but you can't really call it that. So we call it an assignment fee. And it's anywhere from 1% to 5% of the overall sale price. So let's just call it a $5 million deal. 1% is what, 50K? Mm-hmm. So if you do 2%, that's 100K. So if you find a good deal and you're willing to work with other people and willing to give it up just for some cash, then great. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next one that you could partner on with somebody else that has better margins. So that's what I like about wholesaling apartment complexes because yes, you may find less deals than typical wholesale deals, but they're more zeros on the back of the assignment fee. What's the largest assignment fee you've gotten 
with the apartment deal? One hundred and twenty-six thousand. And what percent was that of the deal? Three and a half. Got it. And how did you approach the negotiation of getting three and a half percent? Well, I assumed it. So instead of uh, offering <laughs> my investors, yeah, exactly. I assumed instead of offering my investors, here's the sale price plus these fees for closing and whatnot. I already figured it into my price and did the five-year analysis based on that. So they were happy with their returns. Yes, it was a large complex, over 180 units, and they moved forward. These were Chinese investors, obviously, but they had a 90-day due diligence period, which everything turned out pretty good with not a lot of uh, bumps in the road. And then the final payday at closing, well, actually, it wasn't a sign. They bought the shares of the LLC off of me. So that's how we figured it into the deal. So that was the biggest one. But on average, it's anywhere because now I decided to target under 100 units because you could move them a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. So the assignments are anywhere from 20 to, let's just call it 50 grand each. Mm -hmm. Under 100 units, you said 100, right? Correct. Under 100 units are the best ones to move. Because it's just called more investors with some cash that could actually purchase that alone. Mm. If you have to start doing syndications, then it becomes a little harder. So if you want to move a lot quicker, target up from 20 to 100 and get them sold quickly. So that's what I try to do. Have you assigned it to a group that syndicated it? No. I haven't, syndic- I haven't assigned anything to a group that syndicated just because after that large deal, I just focused on the smaller ones because they're a lot simpler to handle. In that large deal, I did some math. That's $3.6 million purchase price. Yeah, it was around there. Okay. <laughs> but they paid cash. So, okay, yeah. So they came in with cash. Okay, yeah. Three, th- 3.5% of $3.6 million is 126000 So you did 180 unit and it got you your biggest payday. I heard you, what you said, you can move a lot quicker and that sort of thing. But why not stick to those larger ones? Because that got you your biggest payday. I mean, I agree with you. But like I said, that's a home run. There's not many home runs. Okay. In the meantime, why don't you start building your cash reserves or making some deals with some smaller ones? So you make some smaller ones, you find a big one that you could jump in. And you put what you made before into a larger one, and you're already a step ahead of the game. How'd you find that 180 unit? It was on the market through a broker, Marcus and Millichap. It's on the market. You reached out to the broker. And then what do you tell the broker to get agreed upon LOI? Well, basically, for the most part, the brokers that you speak to, you just have to build some type of relationship with them. It doesn't have to be much, but especially in like certain areas, if you want to do, like in our area, we have the triangle. So from Raleigh all the way down to Spartanburg and Charleston, that's the area I focus in. So I always reach out to these brokers to ask for, not deals, but hey, what do you have listed that I could go after? And then they'll start sending you things and you just start submitting offers through an LOI and eventually one or the other gets approved. I would say before doing any of that, you should have at least a few investors that could purchase these properties because if you go in without any help, then that's where problems start just because you can't close. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason why I like targeting smaller units because then 
I know I can move them a lot quicker than with a larger unit. Let's say you reach out to me about another 180 unit deal. I am going to assume that I'm going to sign a NDA, non-disclosure agreement, number one, before seeing the deal. And then number two, that you don't have it under contract yet, but you just have an agreed upon LOI with the terms. Is that accurate? That is correct. I don't market anything or shoot it out to any of my buyers without it having some firm footing, like a approved LOI. Okay. Once I have an approved LOI, I'll start making phone calls or sending out a few emails just to get the ball rolling. How do you know what terms to agree upon with the seller on the LOI? Because that could be a deal breaker for a lot of investors if you agree to certain things that they wouldn't agree to in due diligence or earnest money or whatever else? Well, I try to keep it as typical as possible. So let's just say, for example, the LOI period would be five to 10 business days for the contract to be written up and approved, Uh a 1% earnest money deposit. And then typically if I have the funds and I'm very confident in the deal, I'll put it in escrow and then I'll find the buyer. But then typically what the buyer has to do is they'll have to replace those funds, so to speak. Then what's the broker and seller do once you assign it? Because they used to be working with one buyer and now they're working with another one. Well, their interest is also like my interest to get it moved. So as long as it closes, I haven't had any issues except for the 180s. The guy complained a bit. However, he got it sold. He got his commission. (laughs) What guy? The broker? Yes. They're going to scoff at it, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, if they move it, they're happy. If you move it, you're happy. And the terms are typical. So let's just say the LOI will say, look, 30 to 90 days due diligence period in order to review all the financials and inspect the property. It just depends on the size. Mm -hmm. So typically 60 to 90 day turnaround for a close, two months for financing contingency. Typically. So I try to write everything in with some out so that the investor that's coming in is satisfied with that. Take us back to when the Marcus Millichap broker called you up the first time after you had made him aware of another group buying it. How'd that conversation go? At first he was upset, but then I told him, look, I was going to be on the deal with them. However, they noticed that their margins are going to be too tight and they just want me to walk. So I'll be glad to take on another property from you. So at the end of the day, he still sends me favorable deals before anybody else. <laughs> How'd you meet that group of investors who ended up buying at 3.6 million cash? Well, they actually used to do flips with me. So they provided funds for flipping properties. I did a pretty good job for them. and. Then eventually I convinced them to think bigger and they had the finances to do a larger deal. Actually, they asked me, hey, do you have any multifamilies available? Because we want to jump in on the multifamily. And at first I said no. But then once I found what they were needing, then I actually targeted a few properties, made a few offers, got a couple accepted. One of them they didn't like, the other one they did, and we moved forward. But for the most part, It's people I've worked with in the past or that they know me from previous flips or other investments Mm -hmm. just because they need that peace of mind to know who they're working with. 
Mm -hmm. So the beautiful thing about this is, let's just say you have a buyer's list and you've sold wholesaled a few properties. Maybe you could do a stepping stone of like a 20 to 40 unit to one of these investors. And if you worked with them in the past, they're more agreeable to working with you in the future. Mm -hmm. As far as the compensation goes, when you get to a certain level of property, say a $15 million property, 1% would be 150 k Would you cap out at, say, 50 or 75 or 100 k if you were to find a larger property, or would you push for still 1% of the property purchase price? I would actually push for that 1% as long as the numbers make sense. If you see that the numbers don't make sense, then, yeah, maybe you could cut down your fee a bit. But if the numbers make sense, I would totally go for it. And at $15 million, you're already talking to a, a price range of investors that could only purchase between 10 and $25 million, And then above that is typically uh, institutional. So your pool of investors is a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. So right now, I'm not targeting those deals yet because I know based on experience that anybody that goes in on that is typically a syndicated deal or it's just a, an institutional investor just parking their money somewhere. I think the challenging part for you, well, one of the main challenging parts, I'm sure there's many, one of them is the timing because you've got to time it just right where you have an agreed upon LOI and then you assign it to another group before your contract period ends. So how do you approach that? Well, for the most part, I always put it on the contract under my name, well, the company name that I'll use. And typically when you do buy a property of this size, you're going to create an LLC for that property. Typically, most multifamily deals are under a separate LLC. So during the contract, yes, it'll say my name and then this contract is assignable based on written agreement. And once we create the LLC, before closing, we'll just assign everything towards that LLC. And I'll have a fee written in, in the assignment sheet, or I'll assign it to the corporation and through the operating agreement that I already have saved and used, it'll say that I have to sell my shares at the time of closing as another separate transaction. So that's typically what I do when it comes to assigning or purchasing the shares to a new LLC. And what about the timing standpoint where you have to find someone to then assign your shares to? When do you start talking to potential buyers of the property for you to assign? Well, basically, I'm always having a conversation with them beforehand, and I'll keep them posted at several deals that I'm in the running for. But not until I get that LOI will I call them up saying, hey, I have this under LOI. Are you ready to move forward? Because you've been asking me for a couple months now that you're looking for a 30 unit or a 40 unit. I keep everybody up to date on what I'm doing and my progress. So the more I do it, the more investors I have, which has been, obviously, I've been blessed because of that. But when you continue to speak to people, more and more people show up that they have the need for a 20 unit. They have the need for a 50 or 60 and then you just ask them, please provide a proof of funds or any other projects you worked on. And they will certainly be glad to provide that. Just because 
half of them or most of them don't have the time to look for a deal. So mm-hmm. I already have a group of investors or maybe up to 40 that I have them targeted. Okay, these five are between 20 and 30 units. These seven are between 30 and 40. And I keep continuously speak to them in regards to these deals that I'm making offers on just to get them excited so that when something does come out, they already know about it. Of the seven that you assigned last year, how many were not broker represented? One. For the most part, the best deals are usually broker represented. How'd you find that one deal that didn't have a broker? Oh, well, I was doing the, because I do still do a lot of wholesaling and flips on the side. It came through my yellow letters. I sent it to an owner of a tax default list. Yes, the property that I targeted was their primary residence. And they said, look, I'm trying to sell my assets. I think he lost his job. And one of the units was a 42-unit property. And he just needed to move it. And I was glad to offer him a solution. And that was the only one. And that just happened through yellow letters. Do you still do yellow letters, even though you're focused on apartments now? Yes. Is that the primary way that you market your services to owners? Yes, yellow letters and from time to time postcards, but I prefer yellow letters. Anything else that we should be aware of as it relates to wholesaling apartments? Right now, I think it's the best time for wholesaling apartment complexes, just because we're at a good market. It's tougher to find deals where anybody could jump in just because the margins are tighter and there's a lot more people out in the market now. So as long as you find the buyers, you could find the deals. But continue to keep a list of buyers just because everybody's getting anxious out there. Margins are tighter. What you could get for, I don't know, 8% last year, this year is 6% or less. So more people are jumping into deals and the quickest way to sell a deal is through wholesaling. So the tighter the property, your best bet is just to move it and continue gaining those singles. So then once you find a good deal that you could jump on, and do it either yourself or with a a couple other investors and just take advantage of that. On one of the large deals, say the $126,000 that you got for the 180 unit deal, did you consider taking say maybe a hundred of that and then to put 26 K of that towards equity? Well, no, because the investors didn't want me in on it. So some of them are going to be particular. Some of them want you in or they want your experience. Uh-huh. I would say if you want to jump in on board, you could say, look, just pay me a monthly fee or give me 5%, 10% and I'll manage it for you. And you could jump in that way with minimum risk. I like preaching that. The less risk, the better. Because yep. you never know what's going to happen around the corner. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. I'm grateful that we caught up again and you talked about wholesaling apartments and gave us all these details. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? They could reach me out on my page on Facebook at IP Group NC, or they could contact me personally at my phone number is 973-902-7203. It's either through those two avenues or through email, but I could send you my email so you could put it on the notes. You can either say it right now or forever hold your peace. Okay. Well, my email is innovativeholding at gmail.com. Sweet. Well, thank you for being on the show again, as I mentioned. Some interesting things. One of the things was that you target 80 units or lower. 
because you can get an assignment fee and you get more volume that way versus working with people who are syndicating the one that you did have an exception with the largest one where they bought all cash to $3.6 million. Also, the terms that you do and just the overall approach and the inner workings of it. I'm glad that you talked to us about it and for anyone who wants to wholesale apartments. You got a book coming out too, right? Yes, that's correct. Sweet. Well, coming out, we're currently editing it. All right. Do you know the title of it? It's Apartments, How to Make Millions Off Wholesaling Apartments. Cool. Easy enough. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The 7 Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at sevenfiguresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.